0: So our text this morning is Acts chapter 8. And if you're familiar with the book of Acts and you're looking at this, the end of Acts chapter 8, you may already know what I'm going to be talking about. And I hope that you have. This is one of those huge markers within the churches of Christ. This is one of those messages and sermons that I've heard over and over again where someone has said, it was this message, it was this from the book of Acts that changed my life. Acts chapter 8. That continued. It was, it was God essentially calling me by the gospel because I continued to hear about this man preaching the gospel to another and I see what happened there. And if, if you're listening, especially to Peyton's reading, you understand and, and probably already know where I'm going with this. What I want you to think about this morning is look for an example. You know, I find there are some things in life that are hard to do without an example. I remember the first time I worked on a car and it It wasn't my dad who showed me. It was a friend of mine. He took me out. He took me to Lowe's. He said, buy these tools. I bought those tools. He set the example for me. He said, now, we're going to change the brake pads in your car. And I'm like thinking, I've never done anything like that before. It was, was, I think, right when I was finishing college. I think I was 21, 22. The only thing I've ever done with my car, I think, was to inflate the tires or something like that. And so I got to learn very quickly because he set an example for me. And I think about those examples that we have. And we need them when it comes to the gospel. And the book of Acts is filled with them. How to share the gospel. How to share the truth with others. How to defend your faith and to proclaim where we stand as Christians, what we believe in. And so we get that very clear in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 6, there are seven men that are put in charge of helping the apostles to take care of widows who are in need. One of them is named Philip. Now, Philip later is going to be called the evangelist in I believe it's Acts chapter 21 and verse 8, where he's called an evangelist. I, I don't see any time before that. But it's kind of strange because that's Paul coming across, beating Philip. And that might be the time when Paul actually gets to know who Philip is. And he learns about this Ethiopian eunuch. And there might be a huge backstory to this. And right there in, in Acts 21, you don't get many details. It, it all came from Acts chapter 8, where we see Philip doing the work of, of spreading the gospel here he is he's supposed to be doing the one of sitting at the table but he, evidently he's become more effective at at sharing the truth so let's read that right here acts chapter four acts chapter eight verses four through six it says now those who were scattered why were they scattered you have christians scattered being persecuted by saul who'd later be converted paul and that's a wonderful story for another time but we're looking at right before that And so they're scattered about. And what do they do? What happens to Christians when when they're being persecuted, when they're being driven out of their homes in Jerusalem, Judea? They go out sharing the gospel. They take it with them. It says, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. He wasn't thinking, well, these people are foreigners. That's how they were perceived. Jesus even describes Samaritans as foreigners. And here they are living in the land of Judea. And he proclaims Christ to them, teaching the gospel. Well, why is he teaching them the gospel to these Samaritans? They already believe in God. They believe in the first five books of the Bible. They believe in some these basis, basic things. But that's one thing that we see in the book of Acts. Who do we share the gospel with? Who do we, we, we teach others? And I think a lot of times we're looking for the person who is living a totally depraved life and is living in sin and doesn't care or ever thought about God. And I think it's good for us to reach out to them. But throughout the book of Acts, do you know who's being taught the Gospel? It's those who already believe, who believe in the Scriptures. It's the Jews. It's proselytes. Those are the ones who are being taught. And our example this morning, what we're about to look at, is Philip is going to preach to a very notable proselyte, a convert to the Jewish faith. That's what I mean by proselyte. So Philip went down to the city of Samaria, Samaritan, and he proclaimed Christ to them. And the crowds were in one accord, and they, pay atten- they, they paid attention to what was being said by Philip. And when they heard him and saw the signs that he did, we continue to read that they became believers. And it says men and women were baptized. We read this in verse 12. And when they believed, Philip, as he preached, good news... What was he preaching good news? What was he preaching the gospel about? He's preaching about the kingdom of God. The king has come. In that sense, in the gospel of Luke, Jesus says the kingdom has come, but he also says the kingdom will come. Some of you here, he says, one will not die before you see the kingdom come. He's also talking about the coming church. And a part of the message in the gospel of the kingdom coming is also the eternal heavenly kingdom that we're all going to have a part of. So he's preaching good news about the kingdom of God. And he's preaching good news about the name of Jesus Christ. And as we've noticed out in the book of Acts, when you're baptized, you're baptized in whose name? In the name of Christ. In the name of Jesus. And the book, the book of Acts makes it clear. Acts chapter 10, 47 and 48. This is no spiritual baptism. This is a water baptism. Baptism in Jesus' name for the forgiveness of sins. It says they were baptized both men and women. I think Everybody who's ever known or cared about anybody around them and wanted them to know the gospel, we wish that when we preach and share the gospel with them that that would happen. I mean, How how much have we desired that? Have you ever seen a group of people or a whole family be baptized? I've been able to do that. I remember one time when I was in Jacksonville studying with an aunt of one of the men in the congregation, and she said, I want to be baptized. And she had brought somebody else with her, and that... One of her daughters said, you know what? I want to be baptized, too. I want to obey the gospel. So they were baptized. And then the, about a few weeks later, she, um, she brought the rest of her family and said, one of my daughters also wants to study with you. So I studied with her. And with her came her daughter and her son and, and two others. And so I taught them the gospel. And I remember her name was Kizzy. Kizzy said, I want to be baptized. So she got ready to be baptized and I remember getting down in the water I had the waders on and I was looking up to see Kizzy. And when I looked up there, Kizzy's up there with the clothing on to be, you know, the kind of, I don't know what you call the baptismal garments that, that she was wearing. But right next to her was her daughter. I didn't think she was ready. So I was, I was going to, I had to talk to her and she, I've already had some discussions with her and she confessed her faith and said she had repented. It wasn't just her daughter, it was her other daughter and her son as well. They all were getting down there. And so I was able to study and talk to them further and make sure that they understood what they were doing to be baptized. That's an amazing thing to be a part of, to see that. And I hope that here at the Thomasville Church of Christ, that we are able to see that again very soon. That's the things that I pray about. But Philip, here he is preaching the gospel. And again, he's preaching to those who already believe in God. I don't want you to think about that. It's sometimes the people that believe in God that we say, well, I know they believe, and I think they believe in Jesus, and they already go to some church. I really don't need to teach them. Or maybe I know they believe, and I know they believe the Bible, and they're not really going to any church, I don't really need to teach them. But what we see throughout the book of Acts is that those are the ones who need to hear it, who want to hear it. Remember Cornelius in Acts chapter 10? The man was faithfully praying, and God heard his prayers, and he gave alms to the poor, and he looked out for those around us. He was so faithful to God. But what was he lacking? He believed in the scriptures, and he believed in God, and I'm sure he believed in the resurrection. He was a God fearing man, but he still had to hear the gospel, he still had to be saved through Jesus. And so Peter went and preached to him. And what we see with Philip is here he is going to these Samaritans who already believe in God, and they believe in at least the first five books of the Old Testament and Scripture, and they come to believe. And they're baptized. They believe in Christ. And I think it's emphasized here, and I think that's a great thing we see in the Scriptures, the emphasis that men and women need to be baptized. And baptisms throughout the, the book of Acts are immediately Immediate there's no waiting. There's no waiting to a certain time of the year. You do it right then So as we're thinking about this we might be asking the question How can I teach the gospel and one thing that's been constantly taught to me? when I've been in school uh, by other evangelists by the books that I've read by brothers in our brotherhood the one passage that continues to come up is this if You don't know where to start go to Acts chapter 8 and you teach about the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch. You go through that text, and that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to look again in Acts chapter 8. And I want you to be thinking, and you might be saying, I've heard this before. I know this story. I know it by heart. Well, good. This is why you need to be looking at it again so that you can think about how to share the gospel with others. How can I teach the gospel to others? And you can go to Acts chapter 8 and start in verse 26 and go down to verse 39 and proclaim the truth. Just walk through it and teach it. Now, I would encourage you to also do this, to include Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. I'm going to tell you more about that in a moment as we get into our text. So what does Philip's evangelism, or how does Philip's evangelism help Christians to know how to evangelize? And so when you get into Acts chapter 8, you begin to see certain details. And we're going to look at them right now. Maybe you see some things that I don't, so I'm not going to give you my points yet. Let's read from Acts chapter 8, 26 to 35. So if you have your Bible, read with me. Acts chapter 8, verse 26, down to verse 35. And this is what the text says. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. Who is in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join the chariot. And so Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And now the passage of the Scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the Scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. There's a lot to take from that passage right here, the events that are happening. Of course, we're not done yet. We're going to finish reading it in a moment. But this is what stands out to me. Philip evangelized to an Ethiopian who is a devout believer of God, who believed in the Scriptures, who worshiped God, who had been to Jerusalem to do that. Of all the people, wouldn't he be saved? Why does he need to hear the Gospel? But he preaches the truth to him. Doesn't he understand everlasting life and the resurrection? Yes. And now Philip is going to preach to him Jesus. And he's going to start from Scripture. The man was even reading Scripture. If you ever find someone reading Scripture, don't think, well, they don't need my help or my instruction or, or discussion with me. In fact, they might have more instruction for you. I don't know. But go on and ask them what they're reading. Ask them if they understand what they're reading. Follow the example of Philip. When you see someone reading their Bible, that's an opportunity to evangelize. And a lot of times we don't think that way. A lot of times we're thinking, well, certainly if I'm going to evangelize somebody, they must not know much about the Bible or even care to read it. Yes, we want to reach them, but look at the example we have here with Philip. He goes and he joins that chariot. And usually when you think about chariots, I don't think about someone sitting down, but he's sitting down reading. I guess that shows some of his wealth. Evidently, somebody else is driving that chariot. And as he's going along, he's reading Isaiah aloud. In the book of Isaiah, if you ever get tired one night and and you or maybe you're not tired one night and you're trying to go to sleep, you call me and I will read to you my graduate paper on the book of Isaiah. But I love writing that paper. And I might be the only person in here that's just fascinating, but the book of Isaiah is the most unique, wonderful book. Uh, And I often call it the, the fifth gospel because there's so much in it about the Messiah, the Christ who was to come. Predictions and prophecies. And if there's a book in the Old Testament you need to know to be able to share the gospel with others, I encourage you, go and read Isaiah. Read Isaiah chapter 7 and chapter 9 and chapter 11 and chapter 40 and chapter 44 and chapter 49. And keep going because throughout those chapters are filled with references to Jesus Christ. And they help us to share the gospel with others. The Ethiopian, we see him... He's reading about the death of what's called the suffering servant. And the book of Isaiah talks about this suffering servant. He's going to die on behalf of the people of Israel. He's going to suffer. He's going to uh, be looked down upon. People are not going to admire him that greatly. And that whole generation, what we just read from Isaiah 53, that's from Isaiah 53, 7 through 8 there, that the Ethiopian was reading, Philip uses that and he preaches the gospel from that text. I encourage you, if you haven't read it, you go over there and read Isaiah 53. It's 12 verses. In fact, I encourage you to back up and read the, first, the last three verses of chapter 52 because it goes together. And you read about the Messiah, those 15 verses, and try to commit as much as that as possible to memory. Another amazing thing about the book of Isaiah and where it stands today is, you know the first scroll they found in the Dead Sea Scrolls was? The Isaiah scroll. Again, I told you I wrote a paper on it. But there's this big lengthy scroll written by a group of people called the Essenes, and it was hidden away in a cave. And it was discovered, and it was the whole book of Isaiah. It's over 300 years old, 300 years older than Christ, that is. And it's amazing. And not only that, there is a second scroll of Isaiah that was found. Do you know how much has changed in the book of Isaiah? from the 3rd century B.C. until today in Hebrew? None of it. You can go look at the Dead Sea Scrolls and see it. And here that prophecy is. It still exists. And so that's another thing I think is amazing about what Philip does here is that the book of Isaiah, when you're able to go and say, here's Isaiah 53, predicting that the Messiah is going to come, that He's going to die, that He's going to make an appeasement for sins, He's going to die on behalf of others, that His grave is going to be with the wicked, it says that in the text, that God is going to, after He has died and been buried, going to prolong His days. What does that mean? Well, He's going to be resurrected. They knew that, they understood that. I should have thought about it a little bit further when Christ was on the cross and seeing the things and the events that went on. But it's these texts like this that converted thousands of people throughout the book of Acts, the book of Isaiah. And it's one that we need to know. And I put this slide up here because I just don't want to get past this point. And I was afraid that I would do it this morning, and I haven't. But why proclaim Jesus to a devout follower of the God? Of God? Um, why him the gospel? He's already believes in so much. It is Jesus that connects everything, the fulfillment of the prediction of the Messiah. It is Jesus who was the first to rise from the dead. He is the one who has accomplished these things, who has fulfilled Scripture. And we need to be teaching that. We need to know it. There are many people who read the Bible. Now, another thing we see here in the text is they need help in further understanding it. There's probably some of us in here who say, I need someone else to guide me. That's why we get together on Sunday night and Wednesday night and before the assembly on Sunday morning because we want others to help us. We want those who have been studying and reading their whole life to be able to help us to better understand Scripture. Even those of us who have grown mature in studying the Word, we want other mature Christians to encourage us and to study with us. We want them to read with us, to discuss with us because it helps us to see things we haven't seen before, to grow in our relationship to God, to know Him on a much deeper level. And so when we see others studying the Bible, we want to be a part of that. You know, it, it doesn't matter where we are. If anywhere in town, you go and you eat, and people are sitting down, and you see someone studying the Bible, get a, be a part of that. There's an opportunity for evangelism. Here in the church, when we gather together as Christians to study God's Word at any time, be a part of that. And it's a wonderful thing to be a part of, as you see here with Philip in the Ethiopian unit. I want to read the second half here, a little bit shorter here, verses 35 to 39. Verses 35 to 39. Now, my text here does not have verse 38. I'm sorry, verse 37. I'm going to try to read it anyways. It says here in verse 35 it says, Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scriptures, He told him the good news about Jesus. So he starts with Isaiah and begins to preach Jesus. Notice this, he's preaching Jesus. And what's a part of preaching Jesus? Keep reading, verse 36, And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. Remember, it's a deserted area, but there's some water. And the eunuch says, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? He wants to be baptized right then. A second thing, and I know I'm getting ahead of myself, He's preaching Jesus, but the Ethiopian eunuch wants to know when can I be baptized, which tells me something. Preaching Jesus means preaching baptism. And it can't be any clearer than that. In right, verse 37, it says this, And Philip said, If you believe, with all your heart you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then verse 38, And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Now why didn't they just keep going? If baptism is just a pouring or a sprinkling, I'm sure going through a desert area that the Ethiopian eunuch just had some water by. They didn't have to stop the chariot. But they got out and went down into the water. Verse 39, And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. Verse 40 says, But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. And it's interesting. It starts with Philip there in Caesarea, and he's not mentioned again until chapter 21, and he's only mentioned briefly there. So why is this account of Philip in the Bible? It's for us to learn how to preach the gospel. It is to hear the truth, that it doesn't matter if someone is leaving Thomasville and you think you may never see them again. Now, I doubt that Philip didn't, never saw the Ethiopian Union again. I'm sure when he came back, they sought each other out to be in fellowship with one another. I'm sure that he would be coming back. Of course, after he had to report back to Ethiopia, he was coming back. There's a lot of lessons to be drawn from this. You know what you can also address, address from this is it doesn't matter what someone's race is or ethnicity. If they are reading the Bible and they're seeking for truth, teach them the gospel. And I think that is very plain. I remember one of my professors in college, his name was Paul King. He was a missionary in Cameroon, a short white man. And he'd preach in Cameroon, which is in Africa. And he'd go from town to town in the back of a truck. And he'd get up and preach. And they would have many, many baptisms. And he said, I love to preach. He said, I would preach Acts chapter 8. And I would preach to them and say, when the gospel went out to all the world, it first came to you and to those in Africa. And they would listen to that. And they admired that. So this, again, is what we see here in Acts chapter 8, some points to observe. Philip preached Jesus from Isaiah 53. In fact, Isaiah proves the whole Bible. When you've got a book that exists over 600 years before Jesus making predictions and prophecies, before the time of Christ, and here Jesus is fulfilling, comes and fulfills them, undoubtedly, even the critics would say he has fulfilled them, it doesn't just prove the book of Isaiah and prove Jesus, it proves the whole faith. And I find sometimes when someone wants to go all over the place and say, what about this and what about this, I try to answer the questions as as best as possible. Many times, just do it, Philip, and say, look, here's the Messiah that was prophesied that he would die, be buried in a grave with wicked people, and yet he would rise from the dead. And here you have Jesus, and the witness is saying that's exactly what happened. We see this again, preaching Jesus included baptism. And baptism, well, it included going down into the water. Into the water. And the Ethiopian, Ethiopian's reaction what is it? I think a lot of people look for different things. I, I remember baptizing a number of, of people, and especially women, when they come out of the water, they just kind of pause. There's this weird pause. If you've ever baptized someone, maybe you know this. And it feels a lot longer than probably what it is. And I remember asking, why are you pausing? And they said, I just want to take in this moment. I feel clean. I feel as there's no more burden of sin on me. And that all these things have been put away and my sins have been washed away. And they're able to go away rejoicing and thanking God. And the proper reaction to a baptism is to rejoice, to thank God. That's exactly what the Ethiopian did here. He learned who Christ was. We see what the experience is. You know what the experience is? A lot of people today are saying, I'm looking for an experience. I want to go to a church where I have this Unique experience where I connect with God. And the best way to have what you're looking for is to get it from the truth. Because that's what the Ethiopian eunuch had. He didn't have some kind of sensation. What he had was, I'm reading the Bible, and here another man comes and gives me the good news. And I know it's true, and so I'm going to obey the truth. I'm going to be faithful to God. I'm going to be faithful to the gospel. That was the product of his experience. And I would encourage everybody in here, wherever you are and whatever your questions may be, you seek those who are teaching the truth and teaching the gospel. And you, sh- you seek those who are teaching the gospel. And so that, like it says in, in Luke chapter 24, when Jesus preached to some of his disciples, they said they felt a warm sensation inside from reading and hearing the gospel preached to them. And that should be our reaction. That should be the experience is that I know this is true. I know Jesus rose from the dead. I know He fulfilled these scriptures, and I know that I need to obey Him. I need to give my life to Him, confess my faith that He rose from the dead. I need to repent of my sins. I need to be buried in the waters of baptism and start a new life and go on rejoicing. Again, I thought I might miss this point as well, so I want to emphasize it again. Everything we've seen the gospel that's been preached this morning, you start in Acts chapter 8, you need to know some of Isaiah 53 because it's an amazing text it's amazing what it reveals about jesus christ we're going to read a little bit of that in a moment i encourage you this morning as we're we're finishing why should i take the time to practice talking through acts chapter 8 because that's what you do you get someone to sit down when you say come on let's let's read through acts chapter 8 i want you to study it with me and see what it was like in the beginning and this is what we see My experience has been this, that numerous members of the churches of Christ have said it was because of reading of this text that they decided to give their life to Christ, to be baptized. And they went away rejoicing. I've heard it too many times. I've heard it from too many evangelists within our brotherhood to say, proclaim this, teach this, learn this text, share it with others, and you'll see people obeying it, obeying the gospel, and giving their life to Christ. And I encourage you this morning, can you teach Acts chapter 8 and Isaiah 53? I believe you can. Every one of us in here have the ability to. We know the gospel. And if you can read, you're able to do this. And I hope that you'll study this further. Put it on your heart. Before we finish this morning, I want to share with you another part from Isaiah 53. We see the gospel. We know 1 Corinthians 15 says the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Take a look at this scripture. I know it's a little wordy right here. If you can't see it all, pull out your Bible. Isaiah 53:8 through 10 says this: "By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people?" What happened to him? He died, and they made his grave with the wicked, and with a rich man in his death. There's Joseph of Arimathea predicted in scripture. Although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth, Jesus had never sinned; he had never spoken a sin; he had never acted in sin; never done anything in violence. It was predicted and prophesied over five hundred years before Jesus. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief, and when his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring, the church. He shall prolong his days, the resurrection and the will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. There's the gospel predicted through Isaiah. The book of Acts should give Christians boldness and confidence, and I hope it does this morning. As you think about the things we've studied this morning, that if you're here and you haven't obeyed the gospel, you know what to do. If you've been thinking about how can I share the truth or study with someone else in my family, you know how. Acts continues to teach us that. As we conclude this morning, we again encourage you. If you want to go away rejoicing this morning that you have put on Christ in baptism, you can do that. Peter, in the very beginning of Acts chapter 2, and verse 38, he says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You haven't been baptized into Christ and into his name. You need to do that this morning. You need to obey the gospel. You need to confess your faith, repent, and be baptized. If you need prayers and encouragement, we encourage you to come right now while we stand and while we sing.